0: This is a weekend update for the week ending Friday, May 29, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So let's see what we have on the docket for this coming week. Where are we in terms of the S&P? We're going to pick apart the charts. We're going to take a look at the few things that jump off the page At me when I look at the daily chart and others, we're gonna look at some exchange traded funds from a sector perspective a sector perspective of the S&P 500. And then also, since it's the end of the week, what we'll do is take a look at a handful or a small basket full of stocks to see where they are as it relates to the S&P 500, where they are in the charts, where is their trend, where are the leading stocks going. That's usually a good indicator for the broader market direction. What we're looking for is if we can find any institutional distribution. What jumps off the page at the daily chart? Well, the fact that we're comfortably above the gap at 302.46, we closed three days above that gap. That's not a magic formula of any sort, but it's worth noting it's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. The more times they close above a certain particular resistance or what was once or would be a resistance area, the stronger the market is. It becomes support. So the one, two, or three things that jump off the page at me is, A, we closed above the gap the third time in a row. The second thing that jumps off the page is, We're above all the moving averages on the close of the week. The trend is up. It is what it is. We have to take what the market is doing at face value. Not what we think it should do. Not what we think it is going to do based on the economy or what the economy should be looking like. We're just looking at the charts. We're just looking at what the market is telling us. Price is an absolute arbiter. Forget the news. Forget your bias. Forget Uncle Steve's bias. So that all being said, let's look at the market or the daily chart of the SPY from a very, very simplistic perspective. Let's say Monday morning opens up, Sunday night opens up. The market is once again, for reasons we don't need to know, the market is continuing to go higher. Where are the nearest resistance areas? We're going to keep this very simple. The high from Friday, 306.84, I believe, is the number. The next pivot that we need to worry about comes in at 308.47. Now, right above 308.47 is a round number. You have a more important number at 310. You also have what's known as a garden variety retracement right in that zone as well. So we can expect under normal garden variety market conditions for there to be overhead resistance right around 309. Is it 309.50? Is it 310? Is it 310.50? Is it 308.75? We don't really know yet. We don't really care yet. Why don't we care? Because when the market gets up there, assuming for the purposes of this conversation, the market does get up there, if and when the market gets up there, we have to look for signs and a signal of a trend change. Where do we find those? Those are found in the Lazy E-Mini Trader course, along with how to determine where that garden variety retracement actually is, and how to figure it out. This stuff is based on numbers. Numbers are math. Math is simple. It's universal. It doesn't have a bias. Math doesn't have or need an interpretation. There's not a language barrier. It's just mathematics. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to identify the zone between 309 and 311 as the next area of overhead resistance. Maybe slightly higher, maybe slightly lower, but that's the general zone that we should expect the market to run into trouble if reached sooner than later. Now, this doesn't apply if it's reached three or four weeks down the road. This is for the next several days that we're talking about. What about the flip side? He's always talking about the upside. What about the downside? We have to give the bears something to chew on. After all, we know they're going to have their day in the sun. The issue has been they thought the market was going to collapse 42 times already. Every time they load up on the puts, we find ourselves in a short squeeze the following day. It's unbelievable how it works like clockwork. Again, we keep it simple. The market is headed to a destination. We don't necessarily always know where the destination is. Sometimes we have a pretty darn good idea where the destination will be. But that's why we have some tools in our tool belt. We look for signs and signal of a trend change. We can start from an intraday perspective. We're looking on the shorter term charts. We're looking on the hourly charts. We're even looking on the 120, the 240 charts. We're looking at everything we can sink our teeth into to help us determine and put together the pieces to the puzzle of where the market is likely headed next. It's about putting the probabilities in our favor. Let's talk about the downside for a second. Let's give the Bears something to chew on. Is 302.46 support? Eh, it's a number, but it's not really support in the true sense of is an important number on the chart for the way down or was it just a gap that was filled and now it's just non-existent? I'm really leaning in the latter camp. Where's a more important zone or number? How about the big fat round number series of ES3000, which is the S&P e-mini futures contract, and SPY 300. That was a nice segue for Inside the Numbers to take a quick glance at what happened intraday Inside the Numbers. There wasn't a lot going on on Friday. Let's highlight the big stuff, and then we'll move on. Early in the morning, we're citing the fact that the market was pretty much down a couple of times overnight, but it really didn't get very far. The night before, in the video, we talked about 3,300, we talked about those numbers. Once again, the market had an opportunity to sell hard, it chose not to. I'm taking away from that, the market has a destination up north it has yet to reach, until and unless it gets there, it's going to fight its way up north. And the way I'm looking at it is, the magnetic pull in the northern direction is much more forceful and stronger than the bears can muster to pull the market down. That may be an unorthodox way of looking at the market. However, I have an unorthodox way of analyzing the market. So when you put those two things together, to me, that smells like consistency. Let's scroll up a little bit, see what else we have. So when you go up to the early thoughts, now this is something that's posted a few minutes before the market's about to open. Let's call it 9.15 and 9.20 in the morning, sometimes slightly earlier. So I'm looking at the futures, I'm looking at the continuous contract all night long, early in the morning, and so now I'm ready to kind of unpack what it's actually doing. So I'm stating that they're continuing to work on a bearish pattern, so that has me leaning downward. Here we are again. If that symmetrical pattern and that what was going on, and that's taught in the course, Lazy E-mini Trader, what is a symmetrical pattern? How do you use market symmetry to your advantage? Not only to enter a trade, but also to exit a trade. So market symmetry would say and confirm that ES3000 and SPY300 are essentially important numbers because not only are they important numbers for another reason, but they complete a symmetrical pattern that didn't exist the day before. This is all visual stuff, folks. I'm not getting something from an indicator on the chart that I purchased from Joe's indicator shop for $99.99 or $49.99 or whatever the price is. They don't work. If they worked, why do they have to come out with a new indicator every month for the indicator of the month club? What the hell happened to last month's indicator? So we always give both sides. We give both sides early in the morning. We give both sides throughout the day. So we know about the big fat round number of 300, 3000. What about the other side? We have 30, 31 and so on. So we know we have the schematic already in preparation for when the bell rings. Are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? Either way, we don't care. We're prepared for either direction. Notice what we're not doing. We're not guessing which way they're going to go. Who guesses which way they're going to go? People that buy calls or buy puts the night before saying, I think the market's going to have a big gap down or a big gap up in the morning, so I'm going to buy these calls or buy these puts and I'm going to bank it hard. They typically don't win that trade. Have you ever been on that trade? I've been on that trade. I've yet to win that trade on a consistent basis. So guess what you do? You stop taking that trade it doesn't work and then what we say down at the bottom as usual we'll let them open and conduct the early shakeout before getting the deal of the morning so we're looking for the deal of the morning what are they trying to tell us where's the market going to be heading let's continue moving along Right out of the gate, about 940, you see there were buyers that showed up right at that gap. So early on, because it was a fresh gap, it's still somewhat of a support area now that price is above the gap. It gives us something to lean on early in the morning. Below the gap, they go to 301, and then they go to 300. In between is a chop shop, and what we're going to do is scroll up. I'm going to let you stop and restart the video at your convenience, You can read the notes and go back to the chart and see exactly what happened. But what we're going to do is go to a chart. We're going to see what happened. We're going to point out the fact that the market did go down to the big fat round number. The symmetrical pattern did play out as it's intended. You can't see it on the SPX chart. That's the cash index. You can't see it in the SPY. You have to look at all charts all the time. Let's continue scrolling and you'll see a couple of things that you'll want to make note of, like where the resistance area was going to be in the afternoon. The market turned around, it found support down at 300 and 3000. We're going to look at that in a moment. Then, when it was going back up, where was it going to find resistance? So, at 105, we're starting to state 304.50 is a spot. We're always getting pre prepared, so just go with me on it. If they did that, forget about what that is, you can read that on your own, 303 would be resistance like this morning, but if above, they'll target north of SPY 304 all the way to 304.50. I'm not going to leave this one alone. Let's go back to the chart to see what that looks like. So here at 15.15, also known as 3.15 in the afternoon, long after it was put up on the board, what was the high in this candle? 304. 58 you see the rest the rest is history you have to know your numbers if you know your numbers you can make money if you don't know your numbers you're going to have a tough time making money in the market it's just that simple stocks on the move we have to look at the good the bad and the ugly let's take a look at crm it says jump target but there were two targets it jumped the first one we'll take a look at that chart because it did provide a profit opportunity on the second target. We'll take a look at 6, which is 6 Flags. We'll also look at Dow, DAL, which is Delta Airlines. That one had a nice little rocket ride. You never know which ones are going to give you the rocket ride. Let's go ahead and take a look at CRM now. You see the first number on the board, 17432. Well, guess what? The stock opened the day at 174.30. That's two pennies below the number, but that's enough of a tip of the hat to tell you something's going on. So we don't take the trade when it opens below the number. We wait for what? The second number, 172.85, and the stock even went lower, and here's another opportunity to have a heart-to-heart discussion about stops. The stop listed was hourly close below 171.30. 171.30. Why is that there? It's not an arbitrary number. It's not a number I pick out of a hat because it was 75 cents away from something or whatever the case is. That's not what it is. It's below a certain number where I believe that the market should not close hourly below. And if it does, two things are going to happen. A, the market's going to keep going lower. And B, Something that already did happen, this trader was dead balls wrong on the number. But here's a case in point. So look at where the low is. 170.69 below the stop. People get nervous. What about the hourly close? The hourly close at 10.30 a.m., which is the first hourly close of the day. Closing price, 172.38. Did you get stopped out of the trade? No. What happened after that? It went up. Where did it go? Well past the entry. What was the high? 173.95. 173.95. Is that a dollar profit? Yes, it is. As long as you follow the rules, you made the profit. Now we see it came back down. It went back up higher later. You never know when all that's going to take place, but certainly it handed you a profit opportunity if you followed the rules. I know it's hard to trust the stop. I know it's hard to trust the entries. How do you trust this stuff from some crazy kook on the internet? who is a self-proclaimed nutcase and tells you getting inside of his head is a dangerous place to be. I'll tell you how. You watch these videos and you see this stuff happen over and over and over again. Finally, you say, all right, I'm tired of watching this. I have to participate. You start light, you start on paper, you start small, you start in a demo account, however you want to start. You prove to yourself that you can do it. You prove to yourself that it works by the fact that you can make profit on a consistent basis. Then, and only then, do you take real trades with real position size, putting real capital at risk, because you have to be sure that you can do it. I'll tell you right now, this is a big boy business. You got to put on your big boy pants, and you got to know there's a trader around every corner that's looking to pick your pocket. What happened with six? Tried to get down early in the morning, came up short, had a huge bounce away. All things relative, right? It's a small price stock, $22. It was up almost a buck and a half from where it bounced. Then what happened? Came down later in the day and you can see it found support at the number. We've seen this over and over and over again. Didn't give a tremendous trade. It gave a base hit. Nothing wrong with base hits. You go in the Hall of Fame with a string of base hits on a consistent basis. How about this one? Delta Airlines. So the stock closed on Thursday at 2566. 2458 is identified. It's on the board bright and early. Look at this. Stock opens at 2462. This is the reverse of opening under the number. It opens right on the number. And one of two things is going to happen when that takes place. It's either going to cut through it like a hot knife through butter and screw everybody over or The fact that it's hovering right over the number is an indicator. That's the number. It's going to hit the number. It's going to spike it. Whatever it is, sometimes it hits it to the penny, comes up a penny short, one penny below, and it just takes off in the other direction. That's what we saw here. So you can see here, the low is 2437. Not too bad beneath 21 cents. No accidents or coincidences. Minutes later, finding the stock at 25. 39 before pulling back and going back and forth it's not a home run but it's better than a base hit and it's so fast that you basically had the money in your pocket depending on how much a trader took between five and nine minutes maybe even less if you took just a quick scalp trade off the initial bounce this is the s and e-mini futures contract remember from the commentary we were talking about the futures we were talking about symmetry we were talking about the hourly chart bearish pattern and here it is. This is what the market did the majority of the night into the early morning session. This is essentially our bear flag pattern and it played out to the downside like this. And let's take a look at where the low was. The low happened to come in right around 2992, slightly below 3000. That's okay look how quickly it bounced back and away and look what happened into the end of the day. The strong close is telling us something. The strong close is telling us that the market is headed to a different destination than it found already. It's bullish. It closes well the day before. It closes well on Friday. We certainly don't know what we're going to get when the market opens Sunday night into Monday. And by the way, it didn't close well on Thursday. I misspoke there. Thursday was the one where it got killed into the close that created the breakdown candle and the subsequent bear flag pattern finishing off just below the big fat round number of 3,000. When you look at the SPY, what was the low? The low was 299.55, just below the big fat round number of 300. So we were talking about those early in the morning, long before price got there. It's an awareness and you must be pre-prepared for both sides of the tape. What about the IWM? Camp IWM, is it as strong as the SPY? Is it as strong as other markets? Or is it trying to tell us something? After all, the IWM is our favorite market-leading indicator. They filled the gap, and we'll call it the corresponding gap. Corresponding gap to the S&P 500. And guess what? We're below the gap in the IWM, above the gap in the SPY. Is the IWM trying to tell us something? Very possibly so. We had a nice reversal candle on Thursday. Now they're once again fighting the 100-period moving average. There's two options that are going on right here. Option number one is the market went up a little bit too far too fast, and it's just eating time off the clock, and it's going to eat time off the clock until it's ready for another move higher. That's option number one. Option number two is the market is done. We found the top. And it's going to start selling off now and the other markets are going to follow. And this is the tell. This is the canary in the coal mine along with the transports. And I'll take it one step farther. Obviously, everybody knows what's been going on over the last several days and certainly got a lot worse over the weekend in terms of the riots going around the country. There's probably a discrepancy between a protest and a riot. So let's clear that up. A protest is fine. There's nothing wrong with a protest. We have the right to protest what we don't want. We have the right to protest what we think isn't right. What happened last week certainly isn't right. I'm not getting into politics, but there's nobody on the planet that can say that what that cop did was right. It's a disgusting, hairy situation. But riots are another thing. The looting is another thing. I mean, put it this way. What the hell kind of year... 2020 are retailers having across the country i mean it's absolutely a one-two punch first they get shut down and then they get looted it's just unbelievable the question is is that going to have an impact on the market sunday night into monday i don't know the answer maybe it does maybe it doesn't either way inside the numbers members will have a beat on the market What's really the line in the sand from a bigger picture perspective for the IWM? It's really down here. This is really a breakout area. Again, it's not to the penny. It's subjective on where that would be, but the market gaps up and it builds some energy. It eats some time off the clock over here. Then it goes up again. So is it coming down to retest a former breakout area or the most recent former breakout area? And by the way, it certainly could be down here too. But this is just from a concept perspective if in fact it's doing that or it already did that and that's as much as it's going to do on the downside then it's got room to go higher once again it would be normal garden variety market behavior to come back and test a former breakout area markets do that all the time we see it on short-term charts we see it on intermediate term charts we see it on long-term charts How about the folks down at the Transportation Department? I want to look at this one from a slightly different perspective. From a daily chart perspective, we're into the 100-period moving average, found some overhead resistance, fine, so be it. Didn't we say that the transports would get to and likely find some resistance at 9,200? I think we did. What was the high the other day? The high was 9,187. So it's not a wonder that they found some overhead resistance, but let's take a look at it from a holistic standpoint. Let's look at this thing from the big picture and say, what's the market really doing? Is the S&P the tell? Is the transports the tell? Is the NASDAQ the tell? What about the Dow? What market is giving us a tell for what's coming down the road? Not to say what's tradable Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, but what's the big picture? What's coming down the road? This is a weekly chart of the transports. That's a weekly chart of the S&P 500. Transports, S&P 500. So when you look at the transports, you can see it's materially behind, lagging behind the S&P 500. Now, they just got into the 20-week moving average. It's a milestone. Didn't close above it just yet. What if they can't close above it? Then that's weak. Then they stay below all the moving averages. That's weak from a longer-term perspective. What happens if they keep going higher? In between current price and these moving averages up here all the way around 10,000, there certainly are resistance areas. Let's say the market's really bullish and it does keep going higher. Where's the next major area of overhead resistance for the transports? How about 94.40? Maybe it's give or take a smidgen on either side. Write that one down. Put it on a sticky note. While we're on the weekly chart, anything wrong with the cues from a weekly perspective? No way. They're coming right up to the old highs. This is the strong horse, obviously. Closed above the gap. This market is absolutely leading everything else. What do we have to watch out for from a daily chart perspective? Well, we'll call it 230-229. You start closing hourly and then daily below 230-229. You're likely going to see the 20-period moving average rather quickly, and then we'll decide or see whether that holds or not. Other than that, it's pointed up north. It's bullish. The trend is higher. It's very difficult to fight the trend. The trend is your friend until the very end. What happens at the very end? Well, the trend is over. It normally reverses. Down day for the XLF, down 10 cents, 4 tenths of 1%. What are we going to do with that information? Nothing. We're just going to move it along. How can we judge this chart? Well, here's what we'll say. Did they fill this gap down here? No, they didn't. They came up short. So the gap happens to be 23.06. The low here on Friday was 23.17. So if in fact they're down at the gap on Monday, for example, closing the gap and they don't get out of there real quick, if they hang around down there, that's bearish. If they're going in the other direction, going nowhere near the gap, Well, that's obviously bullish. If they get back up into this candle from Thursday, then they can begin climbing up that candle towards the upper portion or high of that candle. How do we know they want to do that? Because markets love to do that. Markets love to test the highs of breakdown candles and the lows of break up candles. Where have you ever heard that before? About Smash Mouth. Anything wrong with this market? Above all the moving averages, we really don't need to say anything more than it's bullish, it's similar to the Q's, move it along. I said we were going to take a look at some exchange-traded funds, and I think it's important from a sector perspective to get a snapshot of where the S&P is from a granular perspective. What happens when you look under the hood, you peel back the onion, do we see any trouble spots? For example, energy. Is energy on pace with the broader market, or is energy struggling? Well, you can see here on the weekly chart, you just saw the daily chart, it's struggling. It looks similar to the transports. Makes sense. Energy, transports, they do go hand in hand. They are intertwined. This is a chart that's telling you that there's a recovery that looks more, from a longer-term perspective on this chart, looks more like a dead cat bounce than a true New bull market, new high recovery. That's not what this chart is telling us. This chart is telling us that the economy from a longer term perspective is not going to be in good shape. Forget what the stock market is doing now. What this market is telling us or what the energy sector is telling us that it's ultimately going to roll over again, have another leg down until and unless they can absolutely recapture a minimum Of Let's say 52 and start closing up there and trading higher. That's a mandatory thing to have happen for the energy sector to really have a turnaround. Other than that, there's another leg lower coming at some point. Here's the tech space, the tech spider. Now this one looks the opposite. It's above all the moving averages. It looks what? It looks like the cues. obviously. We don't really have to talk about this one. We know the strength. We know what's in here. All the high-flying tech stuff. Amazon, Apple, NVIDIA, Netflix, Microsoft, Facebook, all that stuff. Google, all that stuff is pulling the tech space up. Doesn't mean every tech stock is doing well. It means those stocks are doing well. These indices are top-heavy weighted with those stocks. So there's your result. Retail. Retailers having a tough time. How in the world is the retail sector doing as well as it is with retailers having a tough time? Well, number one is the market looks forward. So the market was anticipating that, We're going to have a recovery and that we're going to open the country back up. And then the demand will come back because there has to be some level of pent up demand. When you shut stuff down, people still need stuff. They want stuff. They don't necessarily have to have it today, but they want it tomorrow. So there's a level of pent up demand. So what the market was telling us from a retail perspective, that ultimately retailers would bounce back. Maybe not in full, but they would bounce back. That's what the daily chart is saying. Weekly chart... Maybe similar but different story. Bounce back, yes, in the process of from the lows, and the lows were in the doldrums, but where are we going? What did we just say? Markets like to test lows of breakup candles and highs of breakdown candles. Okay, fair enough. Now, let's look objectively and use some common sense on what we're talking about. Here's the high of a breakdown candle and it comes in just above a convergence of the 100 period and 200 period moving average. So if in fact, I'm not saying the market has to get there tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday, but if in fact it got here sooner than later up to this spot, is it more likely or less likely that there would be quote unquote and repeat after me overhead resistance? It's more likely with that kind of stuff going on up there, there would be overhead resistance up there. So maybe, just maybe, the market is climbing the wall of worry, headed to where? The top of a breakdown candle. It's possible. We don't know for sure, but it's how we use the information. It's a puzzle piece. We'll throw it on the table and move it along. How about consumer discretionary? Now look at this one. We're basically at the high of a breakdown candle. And the market puts in what I like to call, and the way it's taught in the course, is a pseudo-doji candle. It's interesting. Look at the time. And I don't mean look at a clock, but if you've taken the lazy e-mini trader course, think about time. Put it together with what you see on the chart, with everything we just discussed... And say, okay, we're above the moving averages. I have to note that. That's a puzzle piece. That's a bullish market because the market's in an uptrend. But what's to say that we can't come down to fill the gap that exists? Where's the gap? About 121 and a quarter. What's to say they can't come down to run a test of the 50-period moving average? Where's that? 119. Guess what? They can. What's the other side of that? The other side is they continue up north. And fill this gap way up there. What's the closing price? 130.30. Are they gonna do that sooner than later? The odds would be, under normal garden variety market conditions, after a chart that looks like this, that filling the gap is less likely sooner than it is likely. Let's run through a couple of charts of some stocks just to see what's going on. Amazon, anything bearish on this chart? Above all the moving averages. Nothing wrong with this chart. We're moving it along. How about Apple? Again, above all the moving averages, approaching this or absolutely at this double top area. So what's it doing? Well, it's building energy to make another run to bust through those highs until and unless it gets down below this 20 period moving average and this gap down here. That would change the tune. Until and unless that happened, then the market, or Apple in this case, is poised to continue going higher. What's the trend in Facebook? Above all the moving averages, the trend is up in Facebook. Here's a weekly chart. Is that a reversal candle, or is that running a test of a breakout area? Well, let's pick that one apart for a second. Here's a quick opportunity for a scrapbook lesson. It's not a reversal candle for two reasons in my book. A, you didn't have heavy volume, heavier than the week before on that big up move. So that scratches it. Number two, you didn't even take out most of the candle from the previous week. So it's not a reversal candle. It's just a down week candle. But here's the deal. Where is the most former breakout area? Well, where's this top over here? Right here. So we broke out above that top. And what'd they do? They came back in to test the same area by the end of the week. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't need to read into it any more than that. Microsoft, anything wrong with this chart? Is it bearish or bullish? It's in an uptrend. It's trending higher. Look at this weekly chart. It's absolutely strong as a horse. Daily chart looks similar to Apple. Technically, nothing wrong with Microsoft. How about Netflix? Struggling a little bit from a daily chart perspective over the last week or so. When we see that, we want to look at a weekly chart. Let's see what we have when we pan back a little bit. What are we going to find? Are we going to find trouble on the horizon? Or are we going to find a market that was just a little bit overcooked and it's just working off some of that elusive overbought condition? That's all it is. It's above all the moving averages. You're just coming down to work its way or run a test near the 20-period moving average. Nothing more, nothing less. Kiss it, baby. Keep the market simple. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you these videos are not possible? That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. It's everything I really wanted to and intended to discuss. So we'll give it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.